Well, it really is very exciting to be here. I'm absolutely delighted to have the opportunity to share with you this evening. And um, I've already really enjoyed uh, our worship. It's so good to be together at all ages worshipping God. And uh, I think we, we all make adjustments when we're together. I'm now in the grandparent bracket. And I know that when I'm together with my kids and my grandchildren, there's a sort of which we did have this week actually, had them staying with us. There's a sort of balance. It's a great excuse to to let your hair down, if you've got any hair, of course, um, when you're a bit older, and for the young ones to feel they're part of what you're doing. And it's just that feel this evening. And it, it is so good to be together rejoicing in the presence of God. Now, when I was asked to, to uh, talk this evening, I just felt God quite quickly drop a, a thought into my mind about it. I felt it was like Jesus said to me, well, here's the game plan. Here's the game plan for the weekend. But actually, I believe it's uh, the game plan for the whole of the church age, the age we're in. I, I found myself going back to when Jesus went back to heaven, the ascension. Just before that, he gathered his disciples together and he passed on some basic instructions to them. A bit like, perhaps, a top team coach, you know, before the big match, saying, these are the key things to remember. You're going into the biggest match ever. I want you to remember some of the big stuff. Keep it simple and remember these things. And I felt Jesus did that with the church. And I genuinely believe that he wants to do that this weekend. Whenever he gathers his disciples together, he has a similar sort of plan, a similar message, which then works out in a multitude of different ways. Now, when he did that for the first time, if you like, just at the beginning of the church, the guys who were there, the apostles, remembered what he said. They would do, wouldn't they? But it was burning to their minds. And different ones of them wrote down summaries of this basic game plan for church history, really. The the basic points Jesus made clear to them. And we're going to listen now to those memories, if you like, those brief summaries from two, well, actually it's four of the records, just a few verses from each one. I've got some friends from Winchester who are going to read them to me. So if you four would come up now. And you just go, I just want you to listen and just listen to what Jesus said to the church at the very beginning. And I believe it's what he wants to say to us this evening as well. So I think you use that one and pass it on. Okay, Sam? Thanks. Then Jesus came to them and said, All power in heaven and on earth is given to me. So go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have taught you, and I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said to his followers, Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who does not believe will be punished. And those who believe will be able to do things as proof. They will use my name to force out demons, they will speak in new languages, they will pick up snakes and drink poison without being hurt, they will touch the sick, and the sick will be healed. After the Lord Jesus and these said these things to his followers, he was carried up to heaven, and he sat at the right hand of the Father. The followers went everywhere in the world and told the good news to people, and the Lord helped them 
the Lord proved that the good news they told was true by giving them power to work miracles. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has authority to set these dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into the heavens? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. Can I just give you that back? Thanks. I hope you heard that. Whether you're young or old, I think you could listen and get the main points. I believe that the same game plan still applies. We are still in the age that started when Jesus went back to heaven. This is the age of grace, the new covenant era, the time of the church, the last great fulfilment of of world history, actually, which will only end when this same Jesus comes back again. And so in these verses, in concentrated form, is the basic game plan for our age, the age we live in. And I believe Jesus wants to gather us and has gathered us this weekend to emphasise to us essentially the same plan, but fresh and new for our day, for our time, for our generation. And I think there are three main points that are in this game plan, if I can put it that way. Three main points that I believe God wants to speak to us about this weekend. Kingdom, power and mission. I believe Jesus, the head of the church, wants to speak to us about those things, those three elements. I believe he wants them to be in our personal lives, our personal thinking, our local church life, our local church vision. And I believe he wants us to have them as a big worldview, to realise they are things that he is taking into the whole world. So, I believe these very important elements just need to be emphasised. So I'm just taking literally a few minutes, five or ten minutes, just on each one, and I want you to listen and apply it in your own life and in your church life. I believe they will be followed up as we go through these two days. Again and again, they'll be pushed home by the Holy Spirit. Kingdom. This was a main thing Jesus talked about. We told in Acts 1 verse 3, over a period of 40 days, he spoke about the kingdom of God. 
Now, I'm not going to get into any great detail on that, but I think Matthew, in the Matthew 28 summary that we also heard, perhaps got to the main point in what he remembered. He said, Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, kingdom has got a lot to it, but essentially it's about coming under the rule of Jesus and obeying everything he commands us. Becoming a Christian is coming under the government of God. It is not just a simple sort of change of mind or I've now got a new allegiance or I now go to church and it's real fun. We do some really crazy things. We go away and camp and dance around a field and, you know, it's fun, something different. It's, it's, it's not just that. Being a Christian is coming into the kingdom of God, born again into God's kingdom, which means you come under the government of God. Another way of putting it, putting it is when you are a Christian, you become a disciple of Jesus. There isn't a Christianity that doesn't involve being a disciple of Jesus. You can't have Jesus as your saviour if he's not also your Lord. It doesn't operate in a, on a piecemeal fashion. Jesus has to be Lord to be saviour. That's how it works. He comes in and takes over in a glorious way and he is the one who is the, your Lord of your life who you now follow and obey. Being a Christian then involves the whole person. Involves your, your thoughts, your mind, your, your, your physical body, your will, your heart. Jesus said, I want you, if you're my disciples, to abide in me. That means you live in Jesus 24-7, which is wonderful, actually. It's not a hardship, it's glorious. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, Jesus is with you and you are in him. You never fall out of him, you abide in him. Jesus also said in John 8, if you're my disciples, you hold to my teaching. That means my teaching becomes something that gives shape to your life. You hold on to it and it's directional in your life. We in our church and our churches are really only interested in making disciples because that's what it's all about. And this weekend, Jesus will be about that business with all of us making disciples, helping us to understand what the rule of God means in your life and my life. What it means to be in the kingdom of God. To understand how those principles apply to our lives. How they affect us. You know, when you live in a kingdom, those of us who live here in the United Kingdom, we hardly think about it, but it actually affects you all the time in a, in a myriad ways. It affects the language you speak, the money you use. It affects how you drive your car, which side of the road you drive on, and, and a multitude of things. Well, when you're in the kingdom of God, it equally affects everything. Actually, similarly, it affects how you speak, it affects what you do with your money, hopefully it affects how you drive your car, actually. It affects the attitude you have in all sorts of ways. That is what real Christianity is. Now, actually, many of you in this tent probably sort of understand that. Because in a way, you wouldn't have given a bank holiday to come and camp in a field and try and put a tent up in a howling gale, as it almost felt like, and uh, gone through some of the restrictions that we are experiencing, though it's a lovely sight and it's a nice weather. 
But, you know, you wouldn't have done this and put this time aside and paid for the privilege if you weren't fairly serious. So I believe the Lord commends you as he gathers you together. But having gathered you, he wants to talk to you about what it is to be his disciples, what it is to be in his kingdom. I think he'll establish some principles in some of your lives that have not been established before. I think superficiality will be challenged over these two days. God will do that. The Spirit of God will challenge superficiality. I believe there are dominion of darkness, hangovers, that will be destroyed and dismissed over these two days. I think some people will be set free from demonic influence because you can still sometimes have that old master influencing you. Dominion of darkness stuff which you have really come away from can sometimes its tentacles can still hold on. Well, they don't have to because you are now under the rule of King Jesus and he will establish his rule practically and in reality in some lives for perhaps the first time in some areas this weekend. I believe that's what God will do. The kingdom of God is here and we're going to see evidence of it. Amen? Then the other thing Jesus talked about was power. Jesus was very clear there would be a power element to his church's life. Luke 24:49 says, you will be clothed with power from on high. What a wonderful promise. You will be clothed with power from on high. What a privilege. Jesus also said, this Holy Spirit power is the gift my Father promised. It's a free gift. You do not earn the gift of the Holy Spirit. I I know myself many years ago went through a bit of a battle on this. I thought to be filled with the Spirit, to be baptised in the Spirit, I've got to be extra holy. I've even heard teaching that you had to wait sometimes with fasting and praying and and, and, and maybe even restricting yourself. You know, I've heard somebody talk about kneeling for hours, waiting for the Holy Spirit. But even though that might have been well-intentioned, it was essentially saying it was something of a higher life, something you earned. But that is not how Jesus presents it. He said, this is a gift my Father has promised. Actually, Jesus has done everything necessary to, if you like, earn the empowering of the Holy Spirit for you. There is no one here who, once they are a Christian, should have any doubt that God doesn't want, you should have no doubt, God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. I think there are people still amongst us who probably struggle with this. They say, well, I don't know anything that I could describe as being clothed with power from on high. Let me say to you, I fully believe this is the birthright of every believer. The new birthright. It is something that has been, if you like, paid for by Jesus. It is your gift to take by faith. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe if there are people here this weekend who have never been baptised in the Spirit, I don't believe you'll go away in that position. You will be baptised in the Spirit this weekend. And if you are a little dry and empty, and this does happen, I believe God wants to fill you again with the Holy Spirit. When we read through the book of Acts, we find that several times the disciples who already were baptised in the Spirit at Pentecost are filled again. 
there are those Acts uh, 4.31 moments, which is one of the occasions when they're all together in one place and they are all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I believe this weekend is a sort of Acts 4.31 occasion. We're all together in one place and God wants to fill us all afresh with the Holy Spirit that we might speak his word boldly. Because we will not be able to do what he's called us to do if we are not filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the key element of the new covenant. The new covenant is about grace, but God's grace has always been available. Indeed, what God gave Moses and what he did with their forgiveness through animal sacrifices was really an act of grace. And so grace, God has always been evident of. But the the revolution of the new covenant is the Holy Spirit. Of course, we understand grace more because Jesus has come and manifested it in a way that had never been seen before. But actually, the big difference is this is a covenant of, of the Spirit, that we might all be filled with the Spirit, all may prophesy, young and old, male and female. It's a wonderful privilege. And Mark, the Gospel of Mark, reminds us, and we heard it this evening, that there are practical consequences of being filled with the Holy Spirit practical in our lives and in in our church life. For example, he said there would be signs and wonders following those who believed. Do you believe in signs and wonders? Yeah, I do fundamentally, deeply believe in them. I do not think miracles ceased with the first apostles or when the Bible was written. I really do not believe that is good theology. We are in the same era as they were in, until Jesus comes back. Same Jesus, same game plan, same spirit, same evidence of spirit. There will be signs and wonders among us this weekend. I believe that's how God works. They may stretch our faith. They may sometimes upset our rational mindset. But we must not give in to that. We must press on to know more of his power among us. We must expect healings, that we lay hands on the sick and they recover, as Jesus promised they would. That people who are oppressed by demons are delivered in the name of Jesus. I thank God for a testimony I heard only last week of that happening to a young person at New Day. At New Day, clearly delivered from a demonic oppression and revolutionised as a result. That can be happening here and will be, I believe, this weekend. Speaking in new tongues, Jesus said, be one of the evidences of the presence of the Holy Spirit on his people. Many of us do speak in new tongues, but I actually think some of us still struggle with that. I think some of you are going to come through in that, maybe after you're prayed for, maybe just in worship, or even in a more quiet setting as you walk around the field, suddenly you'll find the release of tongues as you praise God. I believe this is a place where the Spirit of God wants to push the boundaries for individuals. What your little boundaries are, expect them to be pushed out further this weekend. If you've never spoken in tongues, be expecting that might happen. If you've never prayed for the sick, seen them recover, be expecting that might happen. And other things as well. Let's look for the Holy Spirit's signs and wonders among us this weekend. These signs are not just if I can put it this way without being irreverent, random, occasional operations of a sovereign God 
that just occasionally happen, like lightning striking, and you really don't quite get it and work out. Sometimes, occasionally, there's a miracle. Some Christians speak as though that were true, but that's not the way Jesus speaks. He says things like this, these signs will accompany those who believe. That's not about random lightning strikes. That is a confident assertion that those who follow him in faith will see signs and wonders. Amen? They will happen. Of course they're the work of God. Of course they're not our work. But they're him working with us, Jesus said. He said, in my name, I will work with them. In my name, they will see things happen. Sick healed, demons go. Those who believe, who are going in my name and using my name in faith, will see these things happen. They're not like waiting for some sort of random event that occasionally happens, like a, 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 I don't know, like a sort of eclipse of the sun. They're not like that. They are things that are regularly associated with those who believe and preach the gospel in faith and in the name of Jesus. They are part of the glorious gospel. I believe that God wants to give us a Holy Spirit party this weekend. I believe God really wants to stir us on these things. I believe people will be impacted by the Spirit of God this weekend. And I believe it will change some, all of us I hope, forever, for our whole lives. We'll have uh, a different perspective and a different vision about our lives. So I think the Holy Spirit's power is a big thing for Jesus. He said, kingdom, power, and the third one was mission. There's a lot about it in those last few uh, words of Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the earth. They all remembered how much Jesus spoke about that. And perhaps that most obvious part is still the most obvious part. Yes, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's to do this, to go. John Stott neatly sums it up. He says in his commentary on Acts, between the Spirit's coming and the Son's coming again, they were to be his witnesses in ever-increasing circles. We are to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth and to the end of the age. It's very simple, isn't it? Sometimes Christians get in great confusion about what we call eschatology. I think it's very simple, and John Stott puts it beautifully, that there is a a clear game plan between when the Spirit came and when the Son comes again. And it is that we take this gospel right out to the ends of the earth until the end of the age. And actually, Jesus hints rather intriguingly in Matthew 24:14 that probably those two ends will coincide. That when the gospel of the kingdom has gone to every nation and tribe, and there's someone from every nation and tribe represented, that will be the time when the end comes. Now, I'm not wanting to guess on that. I don't want to get into sort of trying to work out when it's going to happen. But there is a sense that the two ends are probably going to coincide. So we live in a very exciting time. Jesus said, therefore, go. Therefore, go. Now, when you, when you see that word, therefore, someone once told me many, many years ago, you always need to see what the therefore is there for. 
That's right. You need to say, what's the bit before it? Well, the bit before it is about Jesus not only being risen, but having all authority in heaven on earth and on earth. Jesus says, go because I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, isn't that amazing? The Jesus we follow, the Jesus who is our Lord, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. He has been invested with unrestricted, universal authority. Our Jesus, our Lord Jesus, has all authority. Therefore, go. What confidence that gives us. What certainty that we are backed up with all the authority of heaven when we share the gospel, when we go. Our Lord Jesus is truly Lord. He is the only one who is worthy of homage and honour and worship. There is no other name worthy of worship. I don't say this to rubbish other religions. I don't have to attack them. I just promote Jesus. But I am in no doubt whatsoever that every person on the planet, whatever culture or religion they are in at this moment, needs to hear about Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour and would be better off having Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. I don't believe there is an individual on the whole planet who would not be better off to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Do you agree? That is the truth. For he is Lord and grace and favour come through him. And the only way to the true and living God is through him, by forgiveness and cleansing and healing and restoring and being brought into relationship of a child to a father to the living God. And Jesus is the way, the only way. And from the beginning of the church age, the evangelisation of the world has been a big, big theme. The resurrection kick-started world mission. Jesus was alive, he had all authority, therefore go to the whole world. To every creature, it says in Mark. So God has got us here for mission. We are, being, we are going to be hearing about our Jerusalems, our Judeas, our Samarias, our ends of the earth. It's not always the ends of the earth. We start at Jerusalem. We've all got Jerusalem where we are now. We might have a Judea just down the road. But we're going to hear God speaking to us about all of those things. Some will be hearing about the ends of the earth or what are the ends of the earth to us from our perspective. But I'm sure that he will be telling us, some of us, all of us in a way, to go in his name. And with that great commission comes what's been called the great comfort. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, I am with you. Now, this is not a vague promise. The literal translation of the phrase is this. It is sure that no one less than I myself am with you. It's very strongly emphasised. It's not really a promise, it's a fact. Jesus himself is with us. Is that good? I think that's very good. 
Whenever we go, wherever we are actually, and we're here, Jesus is with us by his spirit. And his spirit is the spirit of Christ. This is the Trinity. It's God with us. It's Jesus with us. He is here with us. He said, that is absolutely sure. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, some of you need to hear that personally because you sometimes think, I am forsaken. God has left me. Now, your feelings may be telling you that. There may be some very good circumstantial reasons for you drawing that conclusion, but it's a lie because Jesus said he will never leave you or forsake you. And I want to speak faith into you right now because I feel that some individuals where this is true. And the word of God to you at the beginning of this weekend is Jesus said, I have not left you and I have not forsaken you because I promised I would not. And you are to lift your eyes to his truth and to realize however you feel, he has not left you or forsaken you. Now that is going to be applied to all sorts of contexts, but I think there's some individuals that need to hear it. So as we go through this weekend, we're sure that Jesus is with us. Let's be on tiptoe to see him. Perhaps you've sensed him already. I hope you have. Sensed him in the worship. Sensed him in the presence of the, of the people around you. Sensed his spirit just hovering. I trust you'll meet him in the words preached. Maybe what some of what I've said, I hope. But what you hear during the weekend. I trust you'll meet him maybe in just conversations, one with another. Even quiet moments of reflection and thought. Hear his voice speaking to you. Be eager to listen because he is here and he is with you. Luke 24:52 tells us that after he commissioned the disciples, Jesus blessed them and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I believe we will find a fresh commissioning this weekend. I believe Jesus will bless us this weekend. And I believe all of us will return to our Jerusalems with great joy as a result. This is not just filling a couple of days, having a little break. This is a mighty moment. It's an opportunity to meet with Jesus. He has gathered us to speak to us about his kingdom, to impact us and empower us with his spirit, and to encourage us and envision us for mission. He will speak to us individually and he will speak to us as a corporate group. Some churches will hear things that are particular for them. I know that is what Jesus will do. He will take the great game plan that still applies and hone it in and focus it in on your life and your church, your Jerusalem, your Judea. It's how he operates. He did it once in this form we've read clearly to the disciples for the age to come that we're still in. But he is here with us by his spirit doing it for us this weekend. It's an amazing, exciting place to be, gathered to Jesus together, relatively free from distraction. I know we have to do our camping, but relatively free and able to hear him. Do listen for him. Do expect him to impact your life. Amen? I know he's going to.